0: Hi, gorgeous. This is episode number 88, and we are having the wonderful Sonny Tannen back with us on the show today.
1: Hi, this is Sonny Tannen. You're listening to Heart Cells Podcast with Christine Chalonsky. Enjoy.
0: I'm so looking forward to dive in deeper into the conversation with Sonny Tenen and to really find out what the first thing was he's ever sold. But before we do that, hop on over to christineschlonsky.com, find the podcast tab and there you find all the podcast episodes that have ever been published, including the transcripts, the show notes, the key points, all the resources we talk about, as well as all the links to the guests so everybody is just one click away so you have the opportunity to follow them to see what they are up to and to really watch what Sunny, for example is doing that he creates so many connections on LinkedIn and managed to go from 500 to over 10,000 in only one short year. Today, we're focusing on the value of retaining a client. And as well, Sunny is going to share what the first thing is he's ever sold and how successful he actually was with that thing. Before we dive in, let me give you a little bio of Sunny. He is a veteran, award-winning business developer and a philanthropist. And he was offered the opportunity to become one of LinkedIn's first video content creators creators. He took that opportunity and created a series called Through the Eyes of Om. And Om actually is his cute little son. And together they show their audience the approach to see life with more creativity and curiosity by capturing day-to-day moments in their lives and give readers and viewers the three takeaways to encourage others to focus, collaborate and inspire themselves. They hope to inspire children and their parents to live life with more curiosity and enthusiasm for other adventures to come so let's dive into the next adventure with Sonny Tannen well I am so excited to have you back on the show welcome Sonny
1: Christine thanks so much uh, I'm Sonny Tannen you're listening to heart cells podcast with Christine Schlonsky hope you enjoy the next episode
0: Oh, yeah. We, oh, I, I enjoyed the first one. I'm quite sure uh, the audience did as well. And just um, so we want to make sure they can get more information on you as well. You have this amazing page called ice of ohm, right? Dot com, where people can actually check in and they find all the information um, on the podcast page as well. I just wanted to make sure that we do not forget to mention that. Um, because all the great stories you're sharing and the learning and perspective from a three-year-old to an adult lesson um, is just amazing. And I love that inspirational and very creative piece.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for, for sharing with us today. So do you remember when you did your very first sale in your life? Whew.
1: Very first sale. Um, I, also, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't remember it, but I could probably give you a good idea of what it was like. And I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty certain. So, in, in my family, I'm the oldest. Uh, I have a younger brother, and we're a, a pretty tight knit family. We've always, you know, so we kept in touch with each other, even though we've lived in different parts of the world. Um, and I think that probably my very first sale was convincing my parents that a toy that was broken was my brother's fault. <laughs> and uh, I love him to death. And, you know, Vin, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. But, uh, you know, it was as an older brother, you know, you had to kind of set the precedent. And my, and my younger brother is extremely intelligent. You know, I'm just so proud of where he is today. And just an extremely thoughtful and just kind-hearted person. But, you know, as an older brother, you have to, you have to teach your, your younger brother to kind of be tough and, you know, make sure you're preparing them for the real world. And so I'm pretty certain that uh, when I was younger, I used to love playing with G.I. Joes, but I love to take them apart and then put them together and try to interchange them with other pieces. And I'm pretty sure in this instance, I probably, you know, either a piece was broken or a piece was missing. And I, I think that it got caught in my mom's vacuum cleaner. And, you know, when they were like, oh, gosh, you know, whose, whose toy was this? And I was like, oh, I'm pretty, you know, crying and, you know, just trying not to get in trouble. And, you know, this Vinny's, this and that. And, and my parents, I mean, they're so smart. They know that 95% of the time if something was being done, it was probably my fault. Um, I don't think that's ever changed. So I think my first sell, our first sell attempt was to kind of push push the blame onto my little brother. So that's that's being a good big brother, right?
0: Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm I'm not quite sure about that but I think that's what children do right they they think of ideas of how to keep out of trouble
1: That's right that's and right if
0: you Only have one brother I mean sorry right that's,
1: There's no one else I can find that's You've
0: got to find a way you couldn't say it was your mom or your dad so I I see that options were limited <laughs> So when you when you could choose like I know that you know some people they Um, sold cookies at school to be able to go to camp or, um, you know, some people were very creative and they started at a very young age to collect just random stones and paint them and sell them to the neighbors. So do you have any experience where you actually like an an energy exchange? Um, So money switched from one person into your hand? Uh, in exchange for like a service or a good.
1: Yeah, so definitely, uh, you know, sold chocolate bars at my school when I was growing up, and you know, I look back at it now, and, and I think, well, that was absolutely brilliant how I figured that out. At the time, I had no idea what to do, but chocolate bars. So you know, if they came in boxes of, uh, we'll just say fifty in this instance. And so, uh, you know, you would have these 50 chocolates and then at the end of the selling period, you would turn in whatever remaining chocolates you had and you had to have the exchange of cash. So, you know, if you sold 20 of them, well, then you should have enough money to cover the 20 and then 30 better be returned back. And if not, well, you needed to find the money to um, offset that cost. And so for me, I remember this pretty vividly. The very first time that we did the chocolate sales, it was for um, raising funds for our sports team, so for you know uniforms and or traveling to go to uh, different competitions. So that that was what the money was going to be used for. And for me, uh, you know, you have anywhere from fifty to hundred kids that are doing the exact same thing, selling the exact same product to the same target audience, which is just like your mom and dad and or wherever they worked. Right? It was. You know, nine times out of ten, it was the parents taking it and saying, okay, we're going to put it in our office, and people might buy it, and then at the end of it, we'll pick it up and take it back. Well, in this particular instance, what I ended up doing was, if I had those 50 chocolate bars, and I didn't know it at this time, so I cannot take credit for this, but those chocolate bars were delicious. And so I would open it as I was going to sell them, and I was eating them, and then people would see me eating them and say, that looks really good, I'll take one. I was demonstrating the use of my product myself because I believed in it so much that it tasted so good, now that I think about it, and people would buy it more often when I was eating a chocolate bar. Now, the only problem was, I really liked eating a lot of those chocolate bars. And so, at the end of it, I, you know, I, I had to find money out of my own pocket to support the you know, chocolate bars I ate, but thankfully my parents helped out with that as well. But it was demonstrating the use of the product that made people more likely to buy the product.
0: Well, that's cool. yeah, especially at that age. Um, so, did you go and knock on neighbors' doors, or did you just, you know, wait at the corner of the street? Like, how how did you go about this?
1: Yeah, so you know, I I grew up. I spent some of my younger years in the state of Texas, and our neighborhoods were, you know, where I lived. You could open the front door, walk in, like you had this, you know, great group of community members where you know you could just walk in and you knew the parents. You could sit down, and have a meal, and whatnot. So you know, the first fifty bars that are the first box that I sold, and I and I actually remember this part of it too, is I actually ended up going through two or three boxes because I would just walk into the door and just say, you know, Mr. So and So, Miss So and So, thanks for you know sitting down and have some dinner. You know, if you don't have dessert, here's a chocolate bar. And then by the time they're opening and eating, I'm like, oh, by the way, you owe me a dollar for that chocolate bar. So it was, um, you know, being able to hold call, if you will. So knocking on doors and boots on the ground, um, very much about going to the people that I knew first. So uh, selling to people that knew me and selling to people that I knew as well. Uh, that was where I started. I think where I eventually ended up going, uh, I guess, broader, if you will, or kind of opening up the channels of selling was telling asking my parents you know can you take these and can you sell them because we only have one day left and I have 30 bars left and can you sell it and I have no doubt that my parents probably just bought the 30 bars themselves and gave me the money Um, but I'd like to think that they found 30 people that found those chocolate bars you know delicious and ate them Uh, so I definitely utilized the networks I guess you would think of them as like my first connections um, in the in the business world
0: yeah and it's uh, it's it's so important to have these networks because um people who like us, who trust us, um it's so much easier to um to buy. So what I would I'd love to know, because you figured that out at the very young age, um how has this affected your business and relationship building today? Because winning a new customer is I think like thirteen or fourteen times more expensive than just retaining a customer and, and making that person happy. So what advice would you have for an entrepreneur who might struggle a little bit on the sales side and who is looking to maximize the, the resources and the customers they already have?
1: Yeah, that's a, actually that's a great point and a great question and I'll even add one more piece to that is I hear a lot of people talk about scalability. And, recently I actually had somebody ask me the question about um, the concept, right? So the book that I'm launching and the idea behind it. And I said, well, it doesn't seem very scalable. And I looked at him, I said, well, what makes you think it's not scalable? Well, you know, in the traditional sense of this, I said, well, that let's, let's take a pause right there. I said, your concept of scalability may be very different than mine. Right? So for example, this particular person represents, um, you know, BC like investors. So multimillion dollar investors. And I said, I'm writing a children's book. That's not going to net me. My name is not JK Rowling. I'm not going to net millions of dollars on books and videos and movies and what I said. So you have to put into perspective, what is your definition of scalability? So I, I mentioned that because then you talk about the networks and, you know, your audience and the retention customer versus the new or the acquisition customer. So for a startup, most likely they are in the position of they are acquiring customers versus having retention customers. Where I think a little bit of a disconnect sometimes happens is that they get so busy chasing the acquisition or the new customers that when they have those retention customers, sometimes they don't have a good enough plan in place to nurture and cultivate those relationships. And I saw this a lot in the nonprofit sector where it is very much about service and customer service, because you are asking for in essence, the goodness of people to make a difference in the world where it's impacted by most likely their pocketbook and or time and and across any business, it's money and time. Those are two biggest things. And they're, they're not always interchangeable. Sometimes one is more important than the other. And so when, anybody, startups, entrepreneurs, existing businesses, forget to pay attention to their retention customer and they lose it. Well, it's usually that loss that causes them to go chasing after them again. And there are chances where you can bring that customer back into the fold. However, it is definitely much easier to treat, to nurture and cultivate that relationship with a known customer versus going out and acquiring a customer, especially if that new customer doesn't even know you. So here's the other thing here's the way that you tie that together. When you have customers that have been doing business with you for some time, they know you they trust you, they like you you know they continue to do business with you, those are your best sources or referrals right Those are customer stories. those are case studies. So I don't think all businesses and some of them do it really well, but I don't think all businesses give enough weight to those customers that are loyal customers to them right loyal business and utilizing them to bring on new customers or new referrals because the word of mouth like a warm introduction if you will is so much more powerful today than just a cold attempt or trying to reach out blindly um, to, to to bring on a new customer so there there is that how do you bridge that gap of finding that core group of customers that that exist today and making them your ambassadors right They're the ones that you want to shout how great it is to do business with you, the surface, the product, whatever it might be. I mean, those are your internal champions. So it's utilizing them to bring on new customers um, as often as possible.
0: Yeah, that's that's, that's
1: (laughs) a smart approach.
0: So when you think about approaching somebody you don't know yet, like a cold call or, you know, at networking meetings, what is the number one advice you would give to somebody who is not yet really good in selling? Because I've seen it so often that people just (coughs) jump on other people, um, which usually doesn't help the relationship. So what have you experienced? And from that experience, what advice would you give um, to somebody um, learning the process?
1: Yeah, great question. I'll speak about it both um, in person, so real time, and then virtually, because once again, social media, that is where a lot of sales activity takes place today. In both cases or both instances, they're the exact same. So I can tell you right now, when I meet a person for the very first time, virtually or in person, the minute they try to sell something to me, shaking a hand, here's a business card and selling me, I can tell you right now, my brain turns off. Absolutely, it's gone. It's, we, we, we're not building a relationship. Um, unless you're somebody that I've been meaning to meet for some time, or you know you have something as an organization that I know somebody else either needs, even if it's not just myself, I can tell you right now that is the number one turnoff moment right there. And I always I, I like to liken it to this, right? So in the dating world, now I'm, I'm married now, so this is a different conversation today. But imagine in a dating sense, right? Where uh, we'll just use a bar as an example, right? You know, you go into a bar, you're a single guy or gal and you walk in, would you just stand in the middle of this bar and yell, I'm single, I'm ready for everybody to come in here, let's go, you know, let's do it, right? I mean, how successful are you going to be at, you you might, but how successful are you going to be at finding, you know, a, a respective date? Versus, you know, you go up to someone and you take some time, you, whatever it might be, like if it's a compliment on something, if it's a icebreaker, if it's just a conversation starter, but you build rapport. You have a conversation with that person, and then. Perhaps at the end of that conversation or time, it's well. Can we have an exchange of information? Can we continue the conversation? So, I think you know you'll hear soft skills. You'll hear you know not the hard close. So it's very much about building that relationship. It's not always going to happen in one conversation. So I think most people, like you mentioned, that are new to it, um, they just they want to get right into it. And I use the dating one uh, as the example because I say you know. Are you just gonna walk into a bar and be like, I'm ready to get married, let's go do this. You don't jump right to the conclusion of things, right? You have to learn about the person, you have to learn about the likes, the dislikes, what drives them, what are they passionate about? And what I've found works well is it seems very counterintuitive, but when I actually go in um, to these types of events, or even on social media, I actually ask the other person, how can I help them? So what value can I bring to them Before ever asking them me, like for me, if 80% of the conversation is that person talking to me, that's a, that's a win for me. I am, I am learning about that person and what is important to them and, you know, what they want to talk about. You'd be surprised at how much information you could find out from somebody just by asking really good um, and high quality questions, you know, probing questions, if you will. And you don't go into the mindset to say, okay, I'm gonna ask this question and this one and this one. That's not very um, natural, right? Once again, go back to authentic. So you, you really have to think about how would you like somebody to approach you? And that's what I've done a lot about is it. It's like, well, how do I want somebody like, the people that I wanna do business with, how did they approach me and why did I choose to do business with them? And I find out what they did really well and what made me, if you will, attracted to doing business with them. And then I tried to do the same, or at least I tried to learn those types of things and then apply them uh, the other direction. I can tell you this once again, even on social and in person, the minute actually I remember this pretty specifically, I actually had somebody approach me and just said, Hey, you know, uh, this is so funny, but they were like, Hey, I really liked what you said about this. So they referenced something that they had heard me over, you know, talking with somebody else. Or saying, hey, I, are you interested in this? I had a question about this. And then asking for advice or something that they knew I could answer for them. And so for me, that means that the person is A, paying attention. And B, they want to learn more. And so for me, that's a huge driving force when people actually want to learn. Um, I'm a big fan of education in, in all forms of capacity. But it just means that they want to open up a dialogue and have a conversation. So, that, so to me, that's, that's important is you want to create a conversation.
0: Yeah, I think what you said was beautiful, the quality of questions. Mm -hmm. So often people are not aware that the better questions they ask, the better the outcome is going to be. And when you're really genuinely interested in the other person, that is what creates a strong relationship. So just asking questions, because Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to sell better if I ask more questions, um, doesn't really make a lot of sense uh, for the long run because you're not creating that deep relationship. But I think when you really ask a question because you, you're not just asking to ask, but you are interested in the answer, then you have the, the place where really magic can happen.
1: That's a really good point. You know, you can ask good questions, but then you can tell when people um, are either just going down some sort of script or where they're not paying attention. And they just ask something and then they just move on. This is the part, another, you brought up a really good point. Another part that is, you know, you can go in a good direction or a bad direction is, you know, when you ask a question, I've done this to people before, just not not intentionally, but just to see what would happen. You provide an answer that would ultimately allow them to lead down a different path. But sometimes they don't take that and they just jump right back into whatever it is that they, you know, preconceived what they're going to ask and what they're going to do. Um, and I think you can tell pretty quickly who those people are and what kind of relationship you, you might have. And then, you know, you categorize them in the way that you want to. So that, that's a really good, that's a great point, Christine.
0: Yeah, so when you, when you look at Om and the question he, questions he is asking, you know, it, we see that in children. Children, they don't make up questions to ask questions. They don't know that concept. So yeah. I think it's fascinating if you take that world through the eyes of Ohm. And you put that into your business because you are curious, because you want to know more, because you care, you want to learn, um, then that will have like this magic effect because you're coming with a different mindset to that game.
1: Yeah, agree, agree completely. And I think it, it also comes down to being able to break Kind of traditional mindsets right or preconceived notions of what well, this is just how business is done you know it's, let's let's do do let's do business differently right and and not everybody will get it which is okay
0: yeah that's what we're trying to do with the podcast right see sales differently embrace that's right it, love it and uh just serve more people and you know the money will follow
1: that's right i love it
0: wonderful so let us know again where people can find you to wrap up this wonderful episode. Um, that they have a chance to connect as well.
1: Wonderful. I appreciate it. So you can find us, our website is eyesofom.com. So E-Y-E-S-O-F-O-M.com. Um, you can find us on pretty much every social media platform as well. You can just look my name up, so Sunny Tannen, or you can look up Eyes of Om. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we're about to launch on YouTube as well.
0: Wonderful. And all the links will be provided at the podcast page at christineschlansky.com. So thank you so, so much for sharing uh, your knowledge with us today, for being an inspiration to really take it to, you know, the level of a three-year-old and and learning um, how to switch that, to the adult level where we forgot everything about being children, about the fun, the play, uh, the curiosity, um, because once you, you kind of loosen up and you, you embrace the creativity and the fun part, um, I always notice that you make more money, you're more successful um, because you're, you're coming less from the side of, of wanting to play.
1: Yeah, and and I think we would be remiss if we didn't give a special thank you to Ann below for connecting us, because that really does talk about the connectivity of people, and finding people that are in your network to say, I think these two people might really hit it off in some capacity, shape, form, or way. And to your point, you know, driving business, and if it's you know making money, if it's finding fulfillment, um, if it's freeing up more time so that you can do the things that you love to do, I think that success is defined in a variety of ways nowadays.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having been on the show. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see all the amazing things you are going to do in the next months and years to come.
1: Awesome, thanks so much. So to the audience out there, don't forget to subscribe to Cells Podcast with Christine Shlonsky. Thanks again.
0: (laughs) Thank you, bye. I hope you had as much fun with these episodes of Sunny Tannen as I had. Hop on over to kristineschlonsky.com, find the podcast tab, and there you have all the episodes, including the show notes, the transcripts, all the links to the wonderful guests. And, you know, Sunny is just one click away. So hop on over to kristineschlonsky.com, enjoy, have a wonderful day. I hope you are leaving this with inspiration and curiosity about what adventure is to come next. Have a wonderful day wherever you are in this beautiful world. And I'm saying bye for now.